3: My only object in being here is to try and get at the
0: truth. Where shall I go? What
3: shall I do? He's looking at you,
1: kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender.
2: Fasten your... State. I could have been somebody.
3: They can only kill me with a golden bullet.
4: What have I
2: done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. you am gonna make him an awful kid. All oh, real, Love Mary. is... It
3: is love. Too weak a word. Stay back. The I, loathe I, you love? Not I, know, I loathe
2: you. I loathe you. I love you. I did as you saw. Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV. Let's back it and validate it. Remember that's what you told me. It's time, Robbie. Welcome to the next Best Picture podcast. Moonlight, Best Picture. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 64 of the next Best Picture podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and joining us today, it is a full house. A very, very large, wide cast of characters, and none of them are being played by Christopher Plummer. We have Michael Schwartz. <laughs> hello, everyone. Mr. Will Matheny. Hello, everyone. Deanne Kiazeze.
1: Still no Lady Bird in Salt Lake City.
2: Boo. And joining us for the first time on the podcast, you have read some of his work on Next Best Picture. We are so, so, so happy and lucky to have him on board. Mr. Ryan C. Showers, everybody. Why, well, hello. So, Ryan first time. Yep. <laughs> kind of exciting, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it is. It's 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 gratifying. It's a big deal. Yeah. No pressure. I've done um, video uh, recordings before, but never podcasts, so this is definitely fun. A whole new world. Absolutely. Don't screw it up.
2: All right. Now, let's ask Ryan some questions, everybody, to get an idea of the type of person that mr showers is for all you dear listeners out there ryan i'm gonna start it off with the basic simple question favorite movie of all time go the hours 2002 oh, he's a wow. steven daldry fan everybody oh <laughs> my lord <laughs> i
4: was gonna say psycho i feel like it is i feel like i should have said psycho but i decided to throw a curveball i love nicole kidman in that movie like to the moon and back so that's your favorite performance right it is, yeah. So I probably should have said Psycho thought- and then Nicole for my favorite performance, but I'll just go with the hours, throw some feminist agenda in there, I don't know. Very good.
1: <sighs> yeah. Okay, I have a question. What is a movie that is universally loved that you just don't like?
4: Uh, my gut instinct is to say The Wolf of Wall Street, but is Aww. that universally loved? I don't know. I
2: think it's, yeah, I think that's a good yeah, answer. Yeah, it's for sure of Yeah, I, I, I think that applies. Yeah,
4: I just, uh, yeah, it wasn't my jam. And there was, in 2013, there was this big, like, American Hustle versus Wolf of Wall Street mm-hmm. kind of war, and I was that. on, like, the American Hustle side. So. You were on the
1: Hustle side, the David O. Russell side.
4: <laughs> I was. <laughs> but even aside from that, a lot of
3: people I remember thought it was, like, too bro-y, and even though it's sort of, it's not showing them in a great spotlight, the movie itself could be
2: seen in different ways. My only complaint about Wolf of Wall Street is that I don't think it needs to be three hours long.
3: No, absolutely not. It doesn't have to be, but I enjoyed every minute of watching it.
2: And I understand why it's three hours long. The film is all about excess, right? So the the length of the runtime plays into that. I mean, I like, I get it. I just, I don't know. That's my that's like my one, like, drawback to the movie. Otherwise, I'm, like, I still am, like, in awe of that even in his uh, 70s. Scorsese is still, you know, making films like those if it was the '80s or the '90s. I you know still what I mean? think
0: that's why it lost the editing nomination because that was a huge upset. Remember?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think because it was three hours. Well,
2: especially when the word came out about how much improvisation and, and uh, hours of you know footage that they had at Thelma. Poor Thelma had to uh, <laughs> you know edit together into this movie. But I, uh, you know, I've rewatched the film a bunch of times, and I mean. If, Christ, I saw it four or five times in a movie. Oh, my wow. God. Yeah, I saw it four That's times. That's
0: literally a, a – a, that is a day worth at the movies, Michael, basically.
2: <laughs> well, you, you can tell while watching it, the, you know, anybody who's got an eye for editing can tell that there are, like, so many mismatched yep. cuts. When and, he pulls into the parking lot oh, yeah.
3: to meet with Spike Jones, at that little strip mall.
2: Oh, and there's, like, that unnecessary uh, f- dissolve for,
3: like, no reason. Yeah, well, you know, they were rushing to get a finish, not unlike what Ridley Scott is doing right now and. In- a little bit of a different way. Like, he was under the wire getting it in. Uh,
2: before we get to uh, Michael and Will, your questions for Ryan, I do want to use this opportunity, actually, uh, to just talk about the big bombshell news that did drop this week. Uh, Will, why don't you tell everybody what happened when it comes to all the money in the world?
0: So, as you have almost certainly heard, Kevin Spacey's career is pretty much over And nowhere is this more evident than the fact that All the Money in the World, which was slated to premiere next week at AFI Fest, not only was pulled from AFI, but has determined to entirely replace Kevin Spacey, who is second billed in the cast in every scene with Christopher Plummer. Now, it turns out Christopher Plummer was Ridley Scott's first choice for the part, but Sony wanted a more bankable title. But still, they have about a month to reshoot all of Spacey's scenes, which apparently he only spent eight days on set, but still it's multiple locations, it's in Egypt, it's in Los Angeles. You're going to have to reshoot all of that, re-edit it, color correct, incorporate Christopher Plummer and still get the film out in time for a December 22nd release date. So that is the big news on that front. I've never seen anything like it. They are on a very tight schedule. They're going to try to get the movie
3: locked by the 15th of December.
2: Now, I got to ask this question. The reason why I bring it up here is because when this news broke, the first thing that came through my mind was if Ridley Scott pulls this off, a.k.a. if the film is well received and it's actually like a decent good movie. Could really Scott be heading towards a best director nomination for the balls that he has shown through this project? Yeah, if it's good enough, I don't see why not. But
4: prior to this, was like, I wasn't, this wasn't on my radar for pretty much anything. And,
2: well, I, I know for us, we had it on our radar for uh, Kevin Spacey, obviously, the makeup. Um, Michelle Williams was said to give a great performance, but Best Actress is too crowded, and we, I think, a couple of us, Michael, you and I, I think, had it predicted an adapted screenplay because that category is just Until so barren. Until the Spacey thing happened, and then we took it out. Right.
4: Well, that, uh, the adapted screenplay because the field's so weak, but it just—it's not like this movie is the post. It's not like they're—they have they are reshooting Tom Hanks, and this is a surefire like, you know, contender for Oscars. It just doesn't make.
0: Oh
2: yeah, it just, no.
4: It doesn't make sense to me that they're going to. These lengths.
2: Well, they must know something that we don't know because they are going to these lengths. Maybe there is something there. Maybe for all we know, it's like uh, maybe it's out of respect for Scott because the guy is what, 78 years old? We don't know how many more he's got left in him. No, he'll be 80 at the end of the month. Wow! Maybe
1: Williams knocks it out of the park and they want to give her a chance.
3: Well, here's what is happening, too. There's also something to do with this show on FX called Truth, which is coming out in January. And it's the same exact story. It's a miniseries starring Donald
0: Sutherland as a getty. Oh, and they want to probably preempt that. I yeah. yeah. And the
3: whole thing is being directed by Danny Boyle. So it's like a big deal for FX. Huh. And Tristar wants to get this out. Not just for this Oscar season, but to get ahead of the curve with the FX series. So there was talk of pushing the movie with Spacey still in it back until June. But now they want to get it out. They think the movie is good enough to compete with Oscars, which I think some of us had suspected. But we were just waiting for it to premiere at AFI to go deeper into Oscar categories.
2: Right. Because think about it this way, the, the late-breaking December contenders that are left, we all kind of agree that The Post is going to be an all-around contender, probably. I mean, that's not Just definite. Just because of what that movie is. Exactly. Phantom Thread, I think that, because we've all talked about this, outside of Daniel Day-Lewis and the costumes, everything else is, like, they'll be lucky to get anything else outside of that. Mm-hmm. And what else is left? then there's just all the money in the world really right there's a little thing called star wars <laughs> oh jeez yeah yeah
0: i mean i mean i mean <laughs> technically there's the greatest showman but i don't think anyone's predicting that to be anything more than a commercial play
2: so you know that that is sight unseen but can i just say something about greatest showman for a second here and it actually just pertains to Hugh Jackman cuz i had this thought cross my mind the other day i really 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 like it just dawned on me the other day I really believe that if Logan came out right now and not in March, I have this feeling we would be talking about Hugh Jackman a lot more in Best Actor, all because of timing and release date.
0: You know, with the category being this week, it's possible.
2: Right? That That's exactly what crossed my mind. And I thought to myself, well, if Greatest Showman is a commercial play and it's not happening, and so many people thought, oh, I'm going to predict Hugh Jackman like in the 10, not even in the 5, just in the 10, because, you know... Greatest Showman's got that that December release date. It's like, well, what if they flip flopped? You know, if, if your reasoning is because it's the later contender in the year and it's going to be more on top of people's minds, and the category is just so weak. I, you know, I, listen. I I told you guys back in March. I'm going to be pushing this performance all year. <laughs> I haven't given up the fight, and I'm just I'm just saying. I think it's respectable. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's a there's a world where I think critics, especially because the category is so weak this year and there's word about, hear me out now, there's word about Tom Hanks going supporting for The Post, not confirmed.
0: I heard that.
2: I'm just saying, that category is very wide open.
0: So, yeah, I mean, you have Hanks potentially out if he goes supporting. You have Franco potentially out if his scandals undermine his campaign. You have Gyllenhaal potentially out because people just forget about the film a la Rush in 2013 because it made, like, how much did 4 st- million 4 million yeah i mean the the category and then uh, renner probably out because of its association with weinstein weinstein and they've completely dropped weinstein from even campaigning it although he was at the hollywood reporters actors roundtable which it was kind yeah. of it was interesting you know seeing him alongside a bunch of what are deemed legitimate contenders to also have renner there also, Hugh Jackman's there. and <laughs> I'm
3: sure Denzel will pop up later in the season.
0: It sounds like the editing couldn't save that film, and it's still a mess. From the reviews <laughs> I've seen,
2: to the surprise of no one, I'm seeing it Tuesday. I'll let you go. I'll let you all know. Oh God! So we'll see. I mean, but then again, also, and you guys know this, I I don't tend to go to bat for anything really hard. Um, I'm usually a lot more conservative. Uh, you know, this is like evidenced by I think I said when I saw three billboards for the first time I was like I don't think it gets in a score I don't think it gets editing etc etc and I even had Willem Dafoe predicted to beat Sam Rockwell Uh, I can tell you and without getting too much into it because we're gonna have a podcast review dedicated to it I've seen three billboards twice now and I am very 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 convinced that Sam Rockwell is winning best supporting actor and that's that's like a done deal i
3: think he's sort of overshadowing the defoe narrative that had played out throughout the summer i agree and the performance is just really good (laughs) yeah he's an actor that people love and know
0: and it's also it it is much more showy than defoe's defoe would have won based largely on just a narrative as a whole but rockwell not only is he in a bigger overall contender you know, he, he has a big character arc, he gets to cry repeatedly, he's got an accent, you know, he's, he's got a lot of physical scenes, he, he completely changed his appearance, he gained like 30 pounds to play this role of this out-of-shape policeman. I mean, it's all the things that historically, if not in the last couple years with their acting winners, but historically that Oscar voters have loved in this category.
2: And there's still a narrative for Francis McDormand to win as well. Um, I just think I, – I think Rockwell is more of a sure thing than she is at this point given the competition because outside of Defoe, I don't see anybody challenging Rockwell. And Defoe's film, The Florida Project, I'm at a point now where I'm saying it right now. I think Willem Defoe is its only nomination at this point.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: I don't know though. He does get a rough up a sexual predator. It's kind of a hot topic. <laughs>
2: You know what, there there, there could be some think pieces on that that really could go a long way. I'm sure. And I have to say, I mean, like, it is
0: interesting that the two supporting actor frontrunners are both in movies about people getting back on sexual predators. Because, because there's
2: a lot of that with Rockwell, too. I mean, it'll... No spoilers. Well, that's really the interesting thing about billboards. And this is why I still, despite the post-trailer dropping, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, um... I'm really, really, really convinced that nothing can th- beat Three Billboards in screenplay, picture, and Rockwell because I really and, – and you guys who haven't seen it will understand when you see it. Three Billboards perfectly captures the feelings, the thoughts, and the current status of America right now.
3: Yeah, I hear it's like great post-election movie, post-Weinstein movie, just this – bubbling feeling of anger and revenge, but also in a heartfelt way. That's what I understand from these reactions.
2: And if the American flags in some of the shots of the film don't heavily illustrate <laughs> this, I don't know what does. Um, but yeah, I think it is a film of the moment as weird as a pick, pick a uh, pick for best picture. It can be because it is that dark edge humor, but I mean, we've, we've seen them go with the Departed before, right? You know, when it came to crude and, you know, colorful language, you know, humor through dialogue and things like that. So, I don't know. The race is still early, but I'm starting to feel a lot more confident about it. Will and Michael, before we get to um, the post, why don't you guys ask Ryan some questions?
0: What is what is a film that everybody hates that you love?
4: <laughs> Joy,
2: 2015.
0: Oh, God. I hate it.
4: Oh. I am the biggest Joy fan. Like I, I just have, I have a soft spot for David o. Russell and Jennifer Lawrence and Ab Adams and whatever they do. Like it just it connects with me, and Joy is no exception. And I was the idiot who was praising it into 2015, early 2016, when. Everyone was dumping on it. But. I'm
2: with you, Ryan. You willed. You willed Jennifer Lawrence to get a Best Actress over Charlize Theron. God damn you. Sorry.
4: No, <laughs> her performance in that is actually really complex and tender and thought out. And I think it's great. I've seen I've watched it dozens of times. I know how ridiculous that sounds, but I love it.
2: I, I actually agree with you on Lawrence. I'm totally, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly kidding. I, I, I do agree that Lawrence is the best thing about that movie.
0: Fair enough. Oh, one other question. Go ahead. What do you consider to be the single worst Oscar nomination of the twenty first century?
4: Oh God. <sighs>
1: oh, That's that rough. <laughs> I know. I'm. That to
4: that you. is. <sighs> it could uh, be off the line. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, off the Off the top of my head, like you know, Sandra Bullock and The Blind Side just kind of jumped out at me. I, it's probably not that though. I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to look back at everything over the over the past couple of years, but that's what I'm going with, I guess.
2: Oh, my lord. That's too funny. <laughs> now, do you – obviously, you probably agree with this. You do think that if um, if you were to rewrite history a little bit, right, and you were to uh, take away the Oscar from somebody, give it over to somebody else, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, Sandra Bullock, if she doesn't win for the blind side, who wins that year? Meryl Streep. Okay. And if Meryl Streep wins that year, do you agree that Viola Davis wins for the help?
4: Yes, but I love Meryl Streep and the Iron Lady more than Julia and Julia. So I'm kind of happy with how everything worked out because 2000, 2009 was a weak year for lead actress. But eh, I don't know. I still think Sandra Bullock getting nominated for that is pretty horrid. So,
2: And do you think then that Sandra Bullock wins the next year for Gravity? Absolutely oh, not. The next time she's nominated? Absolutely not. All right. So Sandra Bullock doesn't get an Oscar in your in your mind. No. Not
3: until her Wendy Davis
2: movie. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert for later in the show. Yep. All right, Michael, questions for Ryan.
3: Okay, here's my question, and it's actually not a film related question, but it's close enough. Ryan, what is
4: your favorite episode of The Good Wife? Ooh. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, M- Michael and I we talk a lot. So, um, and we've known each other for years. So this, this will come like to an dose. IMDB reunion between you, me and will it's quite really is
3: <laughs> like we go back to like middle school days.
4: Yeah. Like I, like 2009 I think was yeah, the, the Year of nine and hurt locker and all that, all that fun right. stuff. But Michael, you and I have, um, I talk to you like on a regular basis. I don't really talk to will, but so you and I, you know, my tastes and what I look at and stuff. But so for the good wife, um, this will come as no surprise. The last call, which is the episode after Will dies, that Juliana Margulies won her second Emmy for. Yeah. And um, the episode inside Alicia's mind called "Mind's Eye" which in season I didn't six. Like.
1: So that has like the flashbacks, her thinking. No, no. It's
3: not really flashbacks. Yeah. It's like,
4: ugh, it's stream of consciousness. It's
3: like a more toned down version of Inside Out. <laughs> 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 okay.
1: God, I don't even remember it. That's what's nuts. I'm gonna have to go watch it again.
4: So, but no, it's, it's, it's a brilliant episode. I remember arguing with you, Michael, the night it premiered and like, I'm much more of a super fan of the, of the good wife than you are. So I got the, um, the subtleties and the, the nods and winks to things in the past that I think you may have missed not to sound condescending. No,
3: absolutely. You're right. I would sort of watch it as, Hey, this is a really enjoyable show that I like
4: to see each Sunday where you would like really study it in a different way. Whereas, like, you know, it, my, my, my whole week revolved around Sundays at 9 o'clock. So, yeah. but yeah, Well, my favorite is Hitting the Fan from Season Well, four. obviously. Yeah, I figured you would say that. So, But that's the consensus, I would think. Hope we pleased all our Good Wife uh,
2: listeners. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, I will say I did uh, – you guys were all right about Bad Mom's Christmas. Christine Bransky was the best part. I mean, she took a not very great movie and actually made it worth
3: watching.
4: Well, I'm going to see it today, actually. So I'm pumped. Yeah.
1: It, it really is. I, I mean, she's awesome. That's all I can say.
3: Yeah, she, she's a really terrific actress. And I like what you said last week, Will, about her having her time in supporting actress one of these years.
0: It feels right after this year with Metcalf and Janie. Like, I, I'm i waiting for it to happen.
3: Yeah, you go back to something like Chicago, even, where she <laughs> has a minor role. Which, the, by the way, they changed that character from what it is on Broadway so that Christine could play her. It's actually not a role designed for a woman. Hmm. And uh, she just knocked it out of the park.
4: I felt like if she had more screen time, that could have been a, like a surprise nomination back in 2002. So I have a question, though, about this. Do you guys think that Christine, if if she were to ever have a Metcalf, Jamie type of a role that takes her to the Oscars, would it be a comedic role or a dramatic role? Because she has shown her wide range on TV, and she's she slays both of them.
0: The key for these people is to go dramatic. Yeah. They're not going to get in for a comedic nomination.
3: Not totally dramatic. Like, you could be a... Alice and Janie and sort of walk that line
4: and maybe crude. Yes, absolutely. I've never seen Christine Baranski crude though. No. <laughs> Whereas we've what? seen Alice and Janney crude. Mm-hmm. Well, not until you see the movie this afternoon.
2: Who knows? Yeah,
1: you, you might be surprised. Okay. She does bring like the emotional impact to to a movie that wouldn't have had it otherwise. I'll say that.
2: All right, cool. Ryan, I got one last question actually, uh, because I'm looking right now at my November haul and my wallet is crying. Are you a Criterion Collection uh, person? Eh, a little bit. I mean, I have some, but I have, I'm not a massive um, spender. Okay. All right. Just forget I'd ask. All right. Moving over now to the next part of the show here. A little trailer dropped this week. No big deal. Just, you know... The final Oscar contender that we've been waiting for for, I don't know, the last year or so since the project was officially announced to include directed by Steven Spielberg, starring Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, a whole cast of television actors that we all love and respect, co-written by the winner of the Oscar for Spotlight. Like, what the hell, people, is going on here? The trailer for the post has finally dropped, it is here. Let's talk about it.
3: So can I ask you a hypothetical question?
0: Oh dear, I don't like hypothetical questions. Well, I don't
2: think
1: you're gonna like the real one either.
0: Do
3: you have the papers?
0: Not yet.
3: This is a devastating security breach that was leaked out of the Pentagon.
1: The most highly classified documents of the war. The Times has 7,000 pages detailing how the White House has been lying about the Vietnam War for 30
3: years. The way they lied, those days have to be over.
2: Okay, people are concerned about having a woman in charge of the paper, that she doesn't have the resolve to make the tough choices.
3: Thank you, Arthur, for your frankness. Let's do our jobs.
2: Find those pages
3: we are talking about exposing years of government secrets
2: is that legal what is it you think we do here for a living kid ben i might have something
1: it must be precious cargo it's
3: just government secrets the new york times was barred from publishing any more classified documents dealing with the vietnam war
2: if you publish we'll be at the supreme court next week meaning
1: we could all go to prison. To make this decision, to risk her fortune and the company that's been her entire life, well, I think that's brave.
2: If the government wins, the Washington Post will cease to exist. If we don't hold them accountable, who will?
4: We can't hold them accountable if we don't have a newspaper.
2: Nixon will muster the full power of the presidency and if there's a way to destroy you, by God, he'll find it. I'm
3: asking your advice, Bob, not your permission.
2: But you can't do this. The legacy of the company is at stake. What will happen if we don't publish? We will lose. The country will lose. What are you going to do, Mrs. Graham?
3: A lot of up-and-comers in this one. Who is this strep person that they keep advertising?
2: Bradley Whiteford. Honks, uh, is that? Odin uh, What What's going on here? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, man. Well, we finally have seen it.
1: I'll start. I take everything back. I take everything back I said. I am so excited. The part that got me about this trailer the most and that I'm really hopeful for is that this becomes a story about you know, obviously it's Meryl Streep's movie and it's Kay Graham's story, but I think that relationship between her and Tom Hanks' character, I kind of, that was actually one of the things I really loved about Jobs that came back out a couple of years ago, was the, kind of the Kate Winslet dynamic with Jobs, even though he was an egomaniac. Um, I, you know, So I'm sort of hoping this takes on that form, and if it does, I am so intrigued, because I think the two of them could make a really special story that way.
3: Yeah, well, this is supposed to be the K. Graham story, right? first and foremost. And her life is really fascinating. Her husband committed suicide, and she inherited the Washington Post from him to become the first female editor, and she had to make this drastic decision, and I hope the movie sort of revolves around her uh, personality at that time in making the bold decision.
2: I think that what you just said there, Michael, is very interesting, and that is a layer that obviously doesn't come across in the trailer for me. I really hope it does get incorporated because that could add um, a lot of depth to the character that Streep is playing. Um, count me in the category of those who watched this and actually were underwhelmed, tell you the truth. Um, but I was also underwhelmed by the trailers for Lincoln and for Bridge of Spies, and both of those movies turned out to be very good. So um, I don't know – there's something about Steven Spielberg trailers – that I, I can't remember the last time I saw a trailer for a Steven Spielberg film that got me excited. Let's let's just put it that way. The
0: War of the Worlds teaser in, like, 2004.
2: God. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, I mean, come on. You have to go all the way back to 2004 to tell me that. All I'm saying is that, you know, this is a movie that I didn't really get a sense of the acting from Streep and Hanks. Maybe they're holding stuff back. Um, I really didn't get a sense of... Oh, uh, like even the themes of the film. Um, I don't know. I, I maybe it's trying to say too much. You know, it's a it's a commentary on women in, in the man's workplace. It's a commentary on the freedom of press. It's a commentary on, uh, you know, striking back against the government. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if they were able to perfectly convey everything through this, and I don't even think it was even probably no. possible. Um, so I, I I'm I'm like I said I I'm very excited i can't wait to see it i don't think it's the runaway winner i think it's one of those films like warhorse where it'll get a bunch of nominations maybe the film ends up being good not great and then you get those people that are like oh you know just because it's spielberg hanks and streep they stole nominations for more deserving you know people arr, arr, arr. you know what i mean but I, I, listen i'm not i'm I'm not hating on this i i i'm very excited but just this trailer didn't do much to get me super excited well see
4: the trailer like got me massively excited i don't know what i i guess my expectations kind of have dampened with all the other buzz going around for other movies that i just whenever i saw the trailer for this i just kind of exploded with excitement um, I love Meryl Streep and I love Steven Spielberg and I love Tom Hanks and I love the topic and it's just, it fed into all of my Oscar bait sensibilities and I I say that proudly. So Agreed.
2: Well, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's coming across too much as Oscar bait to me where, huh, I mean, like, even the, the font that they chose, you know, for the characters' names and the title of the film, it just seems like they drew it together last minute and it's just such a, Typical standard trailer that there's nothing that screams special about it. But then again, you know what? They could have not have released a trailer for this. And they could have just said, Spielberg, Hanks, Streep, are you in or are you out? And that's
3: it. (laughs) See, it's funny. You mentioned the font because when I saw that, the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, like a newspaper font. Me too. Yeah. I thought that was very deliberate.
2: Hmm. I I didn't think of that. That's a good point. Will, you're quiet. Menstruation? No, that's a 20th century woman joke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: I I mean, I liked it a lot. It
0: felt, I will say, back in 2009, there was a video that went viral called Oscar the movie or something. <gasps>
2: and it was, you know, I oh was like. Oh my God. I love that video so much. Sorry, I'm gushing because I just love that you know was about that video. Was that the one video? with Meryl
3: Streep wearing a mustache? <laughs> no, it no, was, it, no, it no, it wasn't no. anything bu- made by anyone in the industry. It's a bunch of like,
2: college kids made. Okay. Well, I'm oh, sorry, Michael, I got to send it over to you. It is so funny.
3: I don't know that.
0: But the idea is it combines every Oscar bait trope in history into a single film. And I will say, as much as I enjoyed this trailer... It does feel a little bit like that, but it seems well acted. I I still maintain, you know, Matt's on the Three Billboards train. I still maintain that this is our Best Picture winner. Um, I do think the trailer could have been cut a little bit better to show what makes the story thematically interesting. I also want to see a little bit more of this impressive ensemble cast.
2: Yeah, I mean, we got a little bit of uh, Bruce Greenwood... uh you know, by God, yeah. don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah
1: Paulson. She's hot right Sarah now. Sarah Paulson. Yeah, Jesse Plemons.
2: Where the hell is Carrie Coon? Carrie Coon was yeah, there. I saw her. I know, but where is she? I want more. <laughs> <laughs> we
3: got a Jesse Mueller from Broadway, if we have any uh, fans of the musical Beautiful.
2: A- am I the only one? I'm raising my hand here. I don't know why. Am I the only one here that was a little slightly disappointed by Kaminsky's, uh lighting and use of color and – I was really hoping for like an Argo 1970s grainy vibe, you know, like to evoke something like all the president's men instead we got that very shiny, brightly lit. You know know what I'm talking about?
0: So Kaminsky is great. He's incredible. When he works with Spielberg, there is a very specific look that he usually goes for. And it's maybe it could get repetitive if it doesn't always feel like it fits the story. But it, it will, at the very least, be aesthetically pleasing. I mean...
3: It's very nostalgic-looking. Is it? I thought so. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I I would agree.
2: All right, all right, all right. I I don't know. I just didn't feel like I got that vibe from it. Okay, it's that's fine. It's sort of fine. about like, what
3: gives you pleasure in watching a trailer or watching a film in general. Like, just what Ryan mentioned a few minutes ago, this is the type of thing that checked off all those little boxes mm-hmm. that I like to have going to a movie. Like, politics, Spielberg... uh feminism in the workplace, all this stuff that when it comes together, it just felt warm watching it.
2: So, so what you're saying is that it does not matter the quality of the trailer. Like you, like you're, you're the person that you just need to hear who's involved and sign me up. I'm on board. Absolutely.
4: Well, no, I think that's, uh, I, th- I don't think that's fair. I think everything was done well. All those things were checked off and they were executed appropriately.
2: Maybe my expectations were just too high. Maybe that's maybe that's what it comes down to. I mean, it was the last trailer of the season. You know what I mean? Well, and going back to what you said
4: about like the look of it, Matt. Um, I I actually really liked the look of it, and some of the uh, the cinematography really clicked with me. Like, there's a shot of Streep standing behind the news press spinning, and it just kind of took my breath away. And it just like I don't know. I think that it, I actually the look and image of the movie was some a. Uh, a big part of why I love the trailer
2: yeah I I guess like I said it just goes against expectations that I had I was expecting more of an unclean polished look and more of uh, something that was evocative of the 1970s um, not something that looks like they're trying to capture 1970s in 2017 Mm. if that makes sense yeah all right let's move on from uh, this trailer here and let's get over to the polls we love talking about polls don't we Last week's poll, in uh, preparation for Murder on the Orient Express, the poll was asking, which is your favorite Kenneth Branagh-directed film? And there were quite a few choices to choose from. Um, uh, we had, you know, As You Like It, Cinderella, Dead Again, Hamlet, Henry V, In the Bleak Midwinter, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, <laughs> I can't believe, like, anyway, The Magic Flute, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Much Ado About Nothing, Love's Labor's Lost. Peter's friends Sleuth and Thor, winning the poll with seventeen point eighty six percent of the vote. Anyone have any guesses?
1: Didn't run away with it. Hmm. Much ado.
4: <laughs> it's not Thor, is it? <sighs> I have like a I have, a, I have a feeling maybe like something recent, like Cinderella. I don't know. Just because that's the viewer. Um, the viewer age, I guess. I don't know.
0: Well, ah, uh, That's a hard question as to what, what... I'm hoping Henry V is our winner.
2: And Michael. Thor. Wow. Ryan and Deanne are both right. That was a three-way tie for first huh. place. So three films at 17.86% of the vote. The winners are Hamlet. Much Ado About Nothing, and Cinderella.
3: <laughs> oh,
0: no Henry V? That's his best.
1: <laughs> I didn't think anyone liked Much Ado About Nothing until people started commenting, and then I realized, whoa, this movie is more liked than I thought. Yes.
2: It's very charming. very, very charming movie. Uh, in second place, once again, another tie with 12.5% of the vote. Door and Dead Again.
3: Okay, I didn't know there were that many fans of Dead Again.
2: <laughs> and then Will in third place with ten point seven one percent. Oh, not a happy St. Crispin's Day. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. I, I I personally voted for Henry V, but I don't know Hamlet's quite an achievement. Yeah, I voted for
0: Hamlet. But it could yeah. just gets so over the top at the end. Like, he swings in on the chandelier and starts, like, spooning the poison and, you know and, like, throws the sword across the room. It gets so absurd by the end. Wasn't
3: there talk of Jack Lemmon getting a supporting actor nomination for Hamlet?
0: He didn't, though. I said, what's the talk of it back <laughs> yeah, in the 90s? When did that come out, like, 97, and three-year-old me 96. was... Yeah, two-year-old me was not talking Oscars then.
2: <laughs> could you imagine, like... You tug on like mommy's dress,
0: but mommy Jack Lemon. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I started watching the Oscars in second grade, so I did get a pretty early start.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone who voted on that. Um, this week's poll. Definitely a uh, very. Should I say uh, what's the word I'm like look, look, looking for here? Uh, fan, fan centric, fanboys. Uh, it's everybody's favorite director. It's Zack Snyder. Oh, oh. Snyder. Which is your favorite Zack Snyder film? Oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh. What is this? So we have 300, Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice, God. Dawn of the Dead, okay. Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Kahoot. Yeah, I remember that. Man <laughs> of Steel. Sucker Punch and Watchmen.
0: Wow, you, we are just spoiled with choices here. I've seen two of
3: those movies, Man of Steel and Watchmen, and I actually like one of them. Believe it or not, I'm going to say it's Man of Steel. Uh, no, I actually enjoy Watchmen. Yeah, okay, too. good.
0: Watchmen has like that opening scene is really great. Yeah, the opening credits are great there. That's a decent film.
2: I would say Watchmen has moments of brilliance, but that it never quite comes together.
0: Yeah dawn of the dead is the most consistent honestly
2: Uh, i gotta like maybe throw a little bit towards legend of the guardians i'm not kidding the
3: owls of gahul
2: that's a very beautifully animated film
3: i can't think of that movie without thinking of a 30 rock episode where tina Fey is stuck on a plane and that's the only movie (laughs) <laughs> keep showing to repeat.
2: Well, <laughs> let, let, let's ask uh, maybe an easier question here. This is not going to be part of the poll, but uh, this is. I'll I'll just uh, ask you guys. What do you think is his worst film?
0: Uh, uh, Batman versus Superman, right? Absolute, like, hands that's down, awful. Apocalyptically bad. Didn't I win the Razzie this year? I have no idea. I wouldn't be surprised. I think it won
3: worst picture at the Razzie.
1: Right I would course. watch Man of Steel ten times in a row before I would watch. Batman versus Superman again.
0: And let's be clear, Man of Steel is a very bad film, too. <laughs>
2: right. Let's be clear, I actually disagree with you. What? Wow. The dialogue in that film is so bad. I love, uh, there is only one way
0: this ends, kal Either I die or you die.
3: Oy. Oh, wait, we have some good news for Donna Justice. Dawn of Justice did not win Worst Film at the Rousey's. That went to Hillary's America.
0: Oh, okay. That's appropriate.
2: Sure. To be yes. fair, I gave Man of Steel a 6 out of 10.
0: It's a bad... Yeah. Okay, well, that that's that's about right. That's like a 5 or 6. I thought you were saying it's like a 7 or 8.
2: No, no. Oh, God, no, no. Uh, Zack Snyder has never approached that level. <laughs> um. I think his best day that he's ever had, Dawn of the Dead, I'd maybe go seven or six.
0: Yeah, Dawn of the Dead's a good solid seven zombie film. It's Again, the opening credits are good. It's got some visceral thrills, some pretty likable characters, and it feels like an actual movie, which I don't know that a lot of his more recent stuff do. I
1: actually have good memories of Watchmen the first, or not Watchmen, sorry, 300 the first time. Like I only saw it the one time, but I remember liking it.
2: Yeah, 300 – it's like Watchmen. It's got moments of brilliance, but there are certain things in that movie that just really, really take it down. Um, God, I just remember, like, some of the dialogue in that movie. Earth and water. <laughs> I, God, I, 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 this movie's just ridiculous. I'm sorry. It's, it, it's still, like, one of Draw Butler's, like, best roles, like, ever, but that's not saying much. <coughs> Geostorm.
0: It's weird to me, all these people that show it up in there, like Michael Fassbender.
2: Oh, really? Like, what the oh, hell? Yeah.
0: Plays, he's got a he major part. He
2: plays Stelios or something? I can't remember. Yeah, he's got a major part. Yeah. That was, I think, Michael Fassbender's uh, first role, <laughs> if I remember correctly. I could be wrong, but I think it was. And then, of course, there's um, uh, the guy that plays Faramir in uh, Lord of the Rings. So yeah, he's
0: in name. there, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and then he was in that terrible show this year, Iron Fist. I know who you're talking about.
2: Lena Headey's in it?
0: Uh, yeah, Li- Lena Headey was in it. Uh, Rodrigo Santoro. Yeah, there's some pretty recognizable names in there. The one thing I will say for that film is the makeup's really good. I think it should have gotten a makeup nomination.
2: Yeah, remember when some people were pushing that to get cinematography? Oh, God, yeah.
0: It did almost get in for visual effects. It, it did very yeah. well at the the bake-off that year. Which, that would have been understandable. Uh, I think Sucker Punch is his worst film. Mm, mm. It's very bad.
1: It'll be interesting to see what people say.
2: Uh, I'll be very, very curious. Imagine if Batman vs Superman, Donald Justice wins.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, honestly, see if you can tap into some of those weird people on the part of film Twitter who are obsessed with the DC universe and see if we can <laughs> piss them off. I would love that. Because they're like the most active people on Twitter if you make them angry.
2: Yeah. So now, uh, the question I have is, if... If Justice League turns out to be Zack Snyder's best movie, let's just say hypothetically, <laughs> um, is it fair to say that it's him that's to give credit for that? Because he left, I think, what, a uh, few months left with production, obviously, because of a uh, personal uh, terrible tragedy that uh, you know happened to his family. So I don't know. Is it like fair to say?
3: I think you have to give it to both him and Joss Whedon. They both put in their work.
0: So did uh, did Whedon take a directing credit on it, or did he just get a screenplay no. by credit and let Snyder take that? Screenplay. Yeah, then you know what? You, you give it to the person who has the directing credit, and that is Zack Snyder, because he shot more than two-thirds of the film, more than three-fourths of it still. I think it is technically still a Snyder movie. The aesthetic is certainly his. Oh,
2: God. Yeah. <sighs> Ain't that the truth. Alrighty, Jesus, I, I can't even, like, the Zack Snyder aesthetic is something that, like, really, really, really angers me, and that might be part of the reason why I liked Man of Steel so much, was because I felt like it actually tried to get away from it a little bit. Oh, it still looked pretty ugly, though. Yeah, to each his own. I'm sure he's a
3: nice person.
2: Yeah, uh, well, eh, I don't know. Right, I can't say that about anyone now, actually, so. Comparatively speaking, sure. Okay. Fan questions. We had a lot of fan questions from last week that we didn't get a chance to talk about here on the show. I wanted to give those people their due and, you know, allow to be able to, you know, answer those questions. I felt bad. I really did. He did. Uh, First one up on the uh, list here. Uh, Let's see. We have a lot, so... Do you think James Franco will still get a nomination for his performance in the des- in the Disaster Artist? And also, too, what are you personally looking forward to um, winning Best Picture? So, I guess uh, I guess what he means is like James Franco getting in or not, and uh, what would you personally pick as your Best Picture winner if you had a voting ballot right now?
0: We were talking off air yesterday that it feels like if there is anyone in the Oscar race like legitimately contending for an Oscar nomination who's going to see their career derailed by allegations in the past it would be James Franco because there was that whole thing a few years ago of him trying to uh pick up at least one underage girl on Instagram and there's rumors of him doing that with many more as well as all kinds of when they had that roast of James Franco all these talks about his uh, his odd sexual behaviors I think there's a very very good chance that come December he starts winning a few critics awards and then some uh, pretty unsettling stories drop or resurface and basically end his campaign. So it's it's a small category as of right now. Yes, I'm predicting him, but I think there's a very realistic world where his, career, his campaign just gets totally derailed by that.
2: And the Best Picture winner? Uh,
0: I would like it to be three billboards, even though I'm not predicting it. Does
2: anyone disagree with Will on James Franco? I do.
4: Yeah. I think I'm... Uh, y- you four, I think, have all been pretty public about the about you predict, predicting him or taking him seriously. I haven't really. I don't know why. I just I can't get behind it. It just doesn't seem like something the Academy is gonna go for. I think, and I know Michael and I were talking privately, and like he compared it to Robert Downey Jr.'s nomination in two thousand nine, and I I just I just think it's I think it's apples and oranges, and everything with the. Possible bombshell. I mean, I think it's. I think that's a disaster waiting to happen.
2: Uh, do you think it could still get into screenplay?
4: I think it could get into screenplay. Yeah. Yeah, I
3: think screenplay might be its own thing. Plus, that category, like we mentioned, is so weak.
2: Okay. All right. I personally still have him getting in right now, but I do agree that there are reservations with that prediction. Ryan, uh, personal pick for best picture today.
4: Does it have to be something we've already seen, or? Can we yeah, eat?
2: it's your own personal pick. If you had a voting ballot right now. Uh,
4: I, haven't, I would say probably I would want three billboards to win or The Post, having not seen them. But having <laughs> seen what I have seen, I guess asking. Blade Runner. <laughs> I love Blade Runner so far this year, but that's about All it. Right. Michael? So for like my
3: favorite movie of the year at this moment? Yep. Meyerowitz Stories. Really?
2: <laughs> yeah. Dn.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of the um, contenders, but for me it would be, I just rewatched The Big Sick and I loved it just as much the second time. So that would be my pick right now based on what I've seen.
0: I actually think that would be my, that would be my number one of the year too, The Big Sick.
2: It's really funny. Uh, Blade Runner 2049 is still my number one favorite movie of the year, but I wouldn't actually pick it to win Best Picture uh, because I think that's more of a technical like director win thing that I would give instead. Um uh, So three billboards would be my pick-to-win best picture. All right. Thank you so much for that question there. That one came from uh, Lewis on Twitter. Next question coming from Avi Christians on Twitter. Detroit, can it really resurrect itself? And which female director is getting a nod this year? Gerwig, Reese, or Bigelow? Well, let
3: me start at the end of that question because I do think we will see a female director get a nomination. You think? This year? Yes. I think there's going to be... Such a push after all that we've been seeing with uh, the sexual harassment allegations. But even on top of that, these are movies that have been very well received. And I think people are really going to want to reward either someone like Garwig or Reese. Yeah, It doesn't seem as likely now because we are still sorting through all the contenders. But when all is said and done, I
4: think we will see someone in the Don't
1: count out Jenkins. I'm just saying.
4: If anybody, I would think it'd be her.
0: Warner is really pushing that campaign. Like, if if you look everywhere in the Hollywood Reporter and billboards, they are doing those picture and director for your consideration ads everywhere. They're flat going for it, almost as much as they're putting into their Dunkirk campaign.
2: Yeah, I think I saw three billboards myself that said that exact same thing. Well, you're right.
0: Were <laughs> they
3: outside Ebbing, Missouri? Mm-hmm.
2: Something like that, yeah, even though it's a fictional town. Um, okay, so Detroit. Uh,
1: I don't know. I mean, they're re-releasing it. Um, I just don't think it's it bigelow. Like
3: I grab before the blue right. Yeah,
1: I mean, D. Rees and Gerwig are so charming when they talk about those movies. I just think that I, I, believe one of them will get it. I actually think Gerwig will. Gerwig will. I'm saying it now
4: for the reasons Michael said. <sighs> mm-hmm. I would love that, but I just don't think it's gonna happen. I
2: just yeah, <sighs> I'm I'm with Ryan on this. I, I I would love to see it happen too. I love that movie. I, it just seems very very difficult because. There's just technically showier work and, I, you know, you know, you, I, I've said this before, my brain tends to, when I make predictions, go towards flashy editing, flashy production design, flashy costumes, you know. So subdued, conservative, right. restrained direction is not something that I'm usually like, oh, they're definitely going to mark this down. So you
1: probably think she's more likely for screenplay.
2: Absolutely. 100%. Yeah.
3: It's interesting. When you look at the director's branch, you don't necessarily see them as – the type of group that would go out of their way to reward Gerwig because it's like, you know, very much, a, the buddy system there bro culture know, with their friends in a way.
2: Yeah. Well, then this brings up a very interesting question. Who wins a uh, debut DGA award, Jordan Peele or Greta Gerwig?
0: Jordan Peele.
3: <sighs> Well, go back to uh... the directing Oscar really quick because I think a lot of people tend to forget this, but Gerwig, her partner is Noah Bumbach. And he sort of has his own inner circle within that branch, I'm sure. So that could go a long way.
0: Also, Lady Bird is not Greta's directorial debut. People keep forgetting that. I mean, she... uh... Yeah, she did
3: Mumblecore back in the day.
2: Oh, so then I guess your pick of uh, Jordan Peele makes a lot more sense.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Yeah, she did Nights and Weekends in 2008. Okay,
2: fair enough.
1: Okay, so what would you guys think of Detroit? Nobody really commented on that.
2: Um, Detroit's one of my favorite films of the year. I do think it has a very, very messy third act, though. Yeah,
3: I think it's a sloppy movie that is well-intended, but sort of needed to get itself together more.
0: And, I mean, it it just tanked at the box office. Even with the re-release, it's just completely fallen out of the conversation.
4: Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's a a non-starter.
2: All right, this one comes from Chadwick Vogel. Can Get Out be taken seriously in the acting categories? Carrilla, Keener, Gabriel deserve nominations.
0: I think Kaluya might. He's like number 7 or 8 just what because is, like
2: what is this? Like I don't understand where this is coming from. I really don't. Because I'll the tell category
0: you. Is really
4: weak. Yes, exactly. And I think if, especially if Get Out is like a big is as big of a thing as everyone is saying it's going to be. It's going to be in multiple branches and it's a really it's a safe way to avoid Oscar's So White. And why
2: are we predicting nominations just for the sake of avoiding Oscar's So White though?
4: Because that's just how it is, Matt. It is. And like there is there's no other safe alternative. And I think with the weak field and the popular movie and you know, his performance is good, and if he, you know, has the buzz, I mean, I think, you know, this is a bad comparison because Matt Damon is a big star, but, like, it's like Matt Damon in The Martian. Like, that's not a typical Oscar-y, lead actor-type performance, and, you know... Wait,
2: no, no, it was. It was cast away on Mars. But
4: it was jokey and comedic, and, like, I don't but know. But
0: also, uh, Kaluya, you know, it's not just, like, a random comedic performance. He gets multiple scenes where he gets to cry... Oh, sense. yeah. I mean, I mean like, he, he does actually get to display a range. It's a pretty good dramatic performance.
2: Like, Absolutely. If, well, then why are we not talking about Camille Nanjiani, then? I need to ask because, that.
0: Oh, because this is a more dramatic performance than it is a comedic performance, whereas mm-hmm. Nanjiani is more of a comedic than dramatic performance. They're both very good, but as far as what's more in the Academy's wheelhouse, watch Get Out Again It is, in many ways, a typical nominated performance. I mean, the Academy loves crying, and there's a lot of that.
1: Well, he has uh, that—Nanjiani has that breakdown on stage.
3: But I think that might be a little too light for what they typically go for, whereas you take the Daniel Kaluuya performance, maybe take it out of Get Out, if that's the problem some people are having in seeing it, and put it in any other movie. Perhaps. And it sort of fits a little better. Yeah. Within an Oscar narrative that like, is not that, in of perfect quality, he,
0: his Oscar clip is the scene where he's getting hypnotized. Like remember Absolutely. that scene? That is a great bit of acting there, and the kind of scene that, as Michael said, in a lot of films, you'd be like, "Ooh, okay, yeah, that's that's the scene that really makes them think that they could win an Oscar." Have, have you seen the film more than once? Go go back and watch it because that
2: it's the it's the first film of 2017 that I saw more than once. I saw it twice because I got a lot of hate from people for not like getting it. Um, I still liked it. I just didn't love it like everybody else did. Um, And I watched it again and my thoughts on it were the same. It's a very entertaining, very well done directorial debut. I don't get why we are talking about this getting Seven, eight nomination, like this. How, how, how is this a across-the-board contender?
3: I think it's just one of those things. If you don't get it, you just don't
4: get it.
2: I agree. Are, are we making puns here? Ah! Get, get it. Get out. No. Get out of here. Get out of that. Um, but okay, so like I, I said this last week, I still have it getting in for song, screenplay, sound editing, and picture. That's, like, so all over the place because every single week I'm changing it where, okay, now it's just getting screenplay and picture. Okay, now it's just getting screenplay and sound editing. Okay, like, I, Jordan Peele, I, I it's just I, – I don't know. I don't understand why or how this is – I don't know. I, I guess maybe because I've seen Shape of Water. I've seen Darkest Hour. I've seen Call Me By Your Name. And when when it's put against all these other Oscar-friendly contenders – I'm sorry. You know, anybody that thinks this is getting across the board in directing, writing, acting, picture, et cetera, et cetera, I I I don't know what world you're living in.
4: I think it's good for like maybe four or five at at the most. I don't think director is happening, but I think I think this performance, especially if Get Out does well at SAG, I think um, he gets in. And I actually think I have him over Franco right now.
2: Mm. If the Franco scandal does drop, then yes. Um, I I I could see it being more of a possibility, but somebody also uh, mentioned before about it being a way to avoid Oscars so white. Um, I still don't think this is going to happen. But I have D- I have not D- Lewis. I have Denzel Washington ranked higher than Daniel Kaluuya, hmm. all because he is Denzel Washington. But I I still don't think it's going to happen. But I don't know. I don't think we should be nominating performances uh, just to avoid Oscars so white. Uh, but that's that's just me. It should should be just based on you know.
0: I, I don't think that is just it. I think what people are saying is that is the most likely performance because it's yes. a good performance to that. Well, ins- well,
2: well, hold on. We don't think Catherine Keener could show up. No. No. Okay. I, I just thought she had a lot of love in the in the industry. I, I Yeah, but. Not for that small of a role. It's a
0: very, very small role.
2: Yeah, you're right. It's small. Okay. All right, let's move on to the next question here. I'm sure there'll be a lot more to talk about with this one as the season progresses and we see how it does, especially. Uh, this one comes from uh, Jet5459. Do the European Film Awards have any influence on the foreign Oscar voters? Um, I'd say no. Uh, eh. Yeah, eh. Yeah. Sorry, Jet, wish we could give you more, but that's kind of where we're at. (laughs) This one comes from Mike D. Uh, Will this year's Best Picture winner only have a couple of wins, or do you think it'll take home five-plus trophies? This is something I think about a lot. Does anyone else ever think about this a lot?
4: Oh, yeah, I try to, like, make a narrative. Like, in my head, like, okay, this wins Picture, and this, and that, and they're above the line, and these are the below the lines, and this is how it wins. Uh, I think it stays low, like we've seen with Moonlight or
3: uh, Spotlight. Yeah. Like, we haven't seen a Best Picture winner take a bulk of the awards since, what, The Heart Locker?
2: Uh, The Artist won
3: five. Okay, The Artist won five, yeah.
0: I think the only world in which this happens is if Dunkirk ends up being our frontrunner. Because I think Dunkirk could, uh, if it were to win Best Picture, run away with picture, director, editing, sound mixing, sound editing, and
2: cinematography, maybe even score. That's... Uh, there's no way 20 score, but that's six wins, though. So that would fall in this category. You're right. Yeah, that's a good
3: point. I'm glad this question came up because I was thinking the other day, I was actually bored in class and was doing some Oscar analysis. <laughs> Daydreaming. Looking <laughs> at how the recent years have broken down, we tend to see at the end of the night, taking away like uh, the shorts categories, a total of, we'll say, 10 to 12 movies end up going home with Oscars. And in recent years, it was like La La Land takes home six, Mad Max takes home six, uh, Gravity takes home seven. So if Dunkirk were to fall into that take home six category, and then our best picture winner, maybe three billboards, takes three or four, that would be a narrative like we've seen recently.
2: And that that is a narrative I am currently predicting.
3: Me too. I think that's very likely. Whereas like The Shape of Water also, that takes two maybe, and Darkest Hour takes two.
2: Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah. We're, we're, we're all, we're, we're, all we're all the same level. Uh, that's where we're at right now. I mean, that is the current state of the race and we've been predicting that for the last month or so. So,
3: Hey, and if Dunkirk were to leave with six Oscars, including maybe best director, that would be a very good evening.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. hundred uh, percent. Okay. More questions. This one comes from KU fan 92. Name one best picture nominee from each year this decade that you would say is the least deserving in the lineup. Oh, my gosh. All right? We're so not go necessarily
3: a bad movie, but the least deserving to be Least there.
2: deserving, exactly. Uh, we're going to go through this one at a time. So let me start off with the first one, and that would be 2010. I will start first. Uh, 2010, the least deserving nominee in that group for me is, oh, God, I'll get some flack for this. The kids are all right.
4: Ooh. All right. Anyone else want to go? I will. Uh, I say True Grit.
0: The kids are all right.
3: <sighs> yeah, I think I would go with the kids are all right.
2: All right. Well, mine's definitely
4: going to be
3: controversial. I'm saying Inception.
2: <sighs> okay. 2011. Extremely loud and incredibly close. No yeah, oh,
0: that's sure. a pretty easy answer. Yep. For as much as I love Spielberg, War Horse. That's mm-hmm. a good. That's a good choice as well. Yeah. That.
2: That's just a kind of a shitty year. 2012. Uh, this one's, uh, sorry, Michael, Les Mis.
0: Hmm.
4: Mm.
3: This is actually a really, really good year, and I love these all. Les Mis. If I'm going to take one out, I would probably say mm. Beast of the Southern Wild. Mm. I'd say Django.
0: Oh.
1: I don't have one. Sorry.
2: <laughs> it's a super good year. 2013, Philomena. Her,
0: American Hustle. Uh-huh. <laughs> and
2: just like that, Ryan quit the podcast. <laughs>
4: I'm out. I already said mine. I- I'm saying Wolf. Yeah,
0: I would probably
1: go with Philomena.
4: 2014. Uh, now
3: here we have some uh, multiple choices.
2: The Fury of Everything.
3: American <laughs> Sniper. American, American sniper. sniper.
2: American Sniper. 2015. This one actually for me is the, is the toughest. Um They're all pretty good. Yeah, this is a nice year. I'm 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 saying Bridge of Spies. Matt. Yeah. <laughs> That's my
4: favorite. <first> <laughs> um, the Martian. I agree the Martian.
2: I like them all. I think the big short. Ooh. Um Martian. 2016. I would have to go with Fences. Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge, Ridge. yeah.
1: I can now knowingly say I did not like Hacksaw Ridge, so that would be my choice.
2: Yeah. It's interesting because I look at the whole list there, and um, obviously I have ratings for each one of these on the website, and Fences is the only one that I gave a 7 to. So (laughs) There you go. You gave an 8 to Hacksaw? I did.
0: Mm. All right, that was fun.
2: The Mel
3: Gibson fan
2: you are. No, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, 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 it had that kidding. classic 90s throwback feel to, you know, the feeling I got when I watched something like Braveheart, so maybe it was a nostalgia thing.
0: It's a decent movie. Does it feel weird that as all these people are exiting the industry uh, because of their scandals, Mel Gibson is opening a com- movie where he's one of the comedic leads this exact weekend? <laughs> That feels weird, right? Like, he's, yeah. he's completely forgiven and come back, basically, right? As all these people are leaving after his... It's an interesting situation. Even
3: stranger is that the movie? the movie is produced by Adam McKay, who is, like, one of the most outspoken liberal activists in Hollywood. And now he's doing this Mel Gibson movie as all this is going down.
2: Uh, this one is, I think, specifically for Ryan. Okay. What is an actress or who's an actress? What What is an actress? Um, who is an actress? <laughs> it's a way of life. Oscar that you feel shouldn't deserve to win. Who who would you have given it to that year that you felt was the stronger performance? So um, obviously this is a wide range because I don't give a date. So why don't we just say from 2010 on, a Best Actress winner whose Oscar you would have given to somebody else. And I think we kind of actually might have even referenced this earlier. Um, you would give away Sergio Bullock's, right? Well,
4: yeah, but that's 2009. Oh, okay, um, okay. So
2: the field opens up a little bit more there. Uh, so from 2010 on. So
4: I love Portman's win. I love Streep's win. I love Lawrence's win, Blanchett's. Um, even though in some magical way I wish Amy Adams and Kate Blanchett could have tied in 2013, that's how crazy I am. Um, I would have loved for Roseman Pike to win for Gone Girl, but I like um, Julianne Moore's performance. Um, you know, I think Natalie Portman should have won for Jackie. Sorry, sorry, Michael. But <laughs> no, I know I'm very much in the minority there. Yeah, the more I think about that performance winning, it just it sits wrong with me. But whatever, it's fine. Who would you have given it to in 2010? Oh no, I'm sorry. Um, I no, I, Portman should have won in 2010. I say, I'm saying she should have also won in 2016.
2: Oh, so you would have taken it away from Emma? Yes. Okay, that'll just about do it there for the questions for this week on the podcast. I want to thank everyone that sent them in. And now, Will Mavity take us away with the news for the week.
0: Honestly, there isn't that much this week. One thing I have noticed is that uh, everyone was worried when Byron Allen's entertainment studios acquired Hostiles. They figured that its Oscar chances were done. But Byron Allen is flat putting some money into campaigning this film we, he bought, like, a four-page spread in the Hollywood Reporter, including the cover this week, and there's also additional ads I've seen popping up all over town, so, and they've released two trailers this week, so it's not news, per se, but it's worth noting that, and then, Michael, you've talked about you think Bale can get in, right?
3: Yeah, I think in the week year that we have, he received really good notices out of Telluride, so it's not out of the question.
0: Um, Michael B. Jordan is making his directorial debut with The Stars Beneath My Feet, which is, I believe, about a young boy growing up in Harlem. He's always wanted to direct, he says, so that'll be interesting. You know, he hasn't gotten his very worthy Best Actor nomination yet. I kind of wish he had shown up for Creed, but who knows, maybe he'll show up as a Best Director nominee for that. Uh, and we, we referenced earlier, you know, I'm actually going to let Michael talk about this one because he's probably the single most excited about this. Uh, tell us about Letters Speak, Michael.
3: So yes, uh, Sandra Bullock is playing Wendy Davis, a Texas state senator from 2009 to 2015, who actually ran for U.S. Senate back in 2013, I believe it was. Uh, very well known, not just in Texas, but nationwide now as, uh, fighting a lot of Supreme Court cases, uh. Ryan, you know a little bit about her too, right? Mhm. Yeah, uh what was her big case recently? I'm totally blanking at the moment.
4: I am too. Um But
0: I- anyway, I mean, she she had a 13-hour filibuster, which
3: is insane. That, yes, she had this very big filibuster that was well-known
0: because it was uh they were Texas was trying to pass some major anti-choice laws and she filibustered to that leading to a, tech, a Supreme Court victory that led to some, uh, or prevented some major restrictions on reproductive rights in Texas. So, I mean, that's, that's potentially, and it's certainly a very timely story, that's potentially uh, Oscar nomination number three for Bullock. Hopefully it's better than the last time we said that about her, and we got, um... What was that movie that was written for Clooney in 2015? Where she goes as, like, the political consultant? Oh, uh... Our brand is crisis. Our brand is crisis. Yeah, hopefully it's it's better than our brand is crisis.
3: She'll get a nice blonde wig for this movie. Maybe she could use the same one from the blind side. Oh, God. Absolutely. So
0: actually, it's been a pretty slow week for non-scandal news in the industry. Pretty much all the headlines I've seen otherwise have been about somebody losing their job. Uh, so that's pretty much it for news I have.
2: Okay. All right. Sounds good. Alrighty. Anybody have anything else that they just want to say before we get out of here?
0: I think we need to send
3: Tom Hanks, Denzel Washington, George Clooney, all to like a safe house for the next couple months. Don't forget Morgan Freeman.
2: (laughs) Let's throw him in there. (laughs) Just like
3: everyone gets in a van and goes away for a little bit.
1: And happy birthday, Stanley and Leo, right?
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Stanley Tucci, Leonardo DiCaprio.
0: Oh, and uh, speaking of people we would not be wishing happy birthdays to... Uh, Louis C.K.'s I Love You Daddy will probably become the new Jerry Lewis's Day the Clown Cried, as in a film that no one will see see the light of day. Uh, You know, it's just going to disappear. The Orchards dropped it, and I doubt anyone ever releases it. It'll remain... That and the Kevin Spacey cut of All the Money in the World will likely remain just kind of enigmas that only exist in bootlegs. Don't be
3: so sure about the Louis C.K. because screeners actually were sent out on Wednesday and arrived to all the voters on Friday. Oh, oh. <laughs> so everyone has their copies of it. Oh, God. No.
0: my God. that's and Louis C.K.,
3: he self-funded this movie just like he did with the miniseries Horace and Pete. And with that, he just dropped it on his website like two years ago. And people just bought it from him. He made all the profits. Huh. So if he just wants to get this out there for whatever reason, because it's like a comment on everything, the mess going on with him now, he could just drop it on his website and have it done that way.
2: That's like brilliant, but so sketchy. Yeah, I don't At the same time. I don't think that's going to happen <laughs> though.
3: But I think people can get access to it if the like some Oscar voter uploads it.
2: Wow, that's insane. Yeah. All right, Michael. November 11th, 2017, what is the next best picture? Uh,
3: what am I predicting? Three billboards. Deanne.
0: Three billboards.
3: Will.
2: The Post. Ryan. Three billboards. I am with three billboards. Oh. And with that said, Deanne, where can I find you on the internet?
1: At Tweedleddd 33 on Twitter.
2: Michael Schwartz.
3: As always, on Twitter at MikeMovie. Movie.
0: William. Uh, I just remember two other things to mention first. One, as of today, less than a month—goddamn, worth it—less than a month before the nominations are supposed to come out. They're supposed to come out in November. The Critics' Choice Awards have decided to move their show back to January again. Uh, secondly, we know what animated films will be eligible for Animated Film, and Loving Vincent will be animated. Putting to rest a question of eligibility. So if you want to predict that, feel free to. And you can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies.
2: Ryan, thank you so much for joining us for your first episode of the Next Best Picture podcast. If there isn't any more news to go over, Will, <laughs> uh, why don't you tell us all, Ryan, where they can find you on the internet?
4: Uh, you can find me at, at Ryan C. Showers on Twitter. Um, and thank you, everybody, for uh, letting me uh, participate today.
2: We are very, very happy to have you, and we can't wait to have you on for more. I am Matt Neglia. You can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much for listening to Episode 64 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Tune in, Google Play, Stitcher, Player, FM, and on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Believe me, we will be very, very upset. But we'll continue to read them out loud on the air anyway. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next time.